Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, (laughs) hello, passionate listeners. Welcome to Passion Harvest. Thank you for being here wherever you are in the world. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. And if you like this episode, please do subscribe. I have a very exciting guest today. His name is Ishtar Hell. A traumatic accident changed Ishtar's life dramatically. His mother passed in the accident. Ishtar had a near-death experience and a profound moment of awakening occurred. Ishtar describes his near-death experience as all of my fears and tensions vanished in a sudden instant and a sublime peace washed over me. I was everything and nothing and completely at peace. To my surprise, this experience of the sublime inner peace lasted for the next several months, even as I experienced all of the various thoughts and emotions of immense grief. As the peace faded out of my experience, it was replaced again with the unexpected miasma of countless thoughts, fears, and suffering, finding my way back to that experience of boundless consciousness slowly, but surely became the principal desire of my heart. From an early age, Ishtar was interested in mystical and esoteric subjects. Ishtar practices a meditation philosophy known as Ashaya's Ascension, which has brought him tremendous inner transformation. In addition to meditation teaching, Ishtar also works as an intuitive astrologer. This is his story and this is his passion. Ishtar, welcome to Passion Harvest. <laughs> oh, thank you very much, Louisa. That was, that was a lovely introduction too. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. good. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> so, well, look, thank you so much for being here. I'd love to discuss Let's dive right into your near-death experience. If you're comfortable talking about mm-hmm. that, I know you spoke before the show about the profound changes afterwards, just a, but a little bit of background for the audience, if you're comfortable with that. Absolutely. Um, and um, <laughs> feel free to stop me when, whenever you no, need to. I, I, um, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let, you, let you go for it. You, <laughs> you got center stage. Okay. All right. Well, you know, with, with 2020 hindsight and or the context of looking back on my whole life, um, you know, the NDE and everything that happened in some ways wasn't really all that surprising, uh, which is which is part of it. I had a lot of um, interesting sorts of, I suppose, spiritual or even kind of strange paranormal um, experiences as a kid, which um, more or less I, I was interested in, but I, I kind of put on the back burner. Because I was right. uh, at about age, you know, six or seven, I was trying to, you know, get on the track and and be part of, um, you know, whatever society I was born into, and and so for about from about six to age thirteen, you know, I was uh, I think in some ways fairly conventional in a lot of ways in, in some of my goals, um, and then um, it was the la- second to last day before the end of. Uh, the school year, um, uh, I had actually broken my my arm uh, playing baseball, 
getting hit by a pitch. And, and I remember that night, June 5th, that was my big complaint, you know, like, oh, woe is me. I'm going to, you know, miss half a baseball oh, the summer season or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was talking to my mom that night, as I often did, you know, kind of winding down, getting ready to, uh, to go off to sleep. And it, one of these um, sort of um, precognitive flashes, which um, were, were not unusual in childhood, they had a particular sort of feel uh, that was different than uh, other things when they when they came through me it, it just uh, came into me and then out my mouth without any kind of volition on my part and I and I asked my mother you know are, are you going to die soon mom and uh, it, it surprised me you didn't know where it came from those words uh, well I kind of knew but I, I had no control it was you know just an okay. ultimate improv I suppose no no mind filter or anything just just the the words coming out of my mouth, um, it, and it had that sense of those precognitive flashes I would get. Right. Only they they weren't really ever about any anything so um, you know major as that. They mm -hmm. were more about uh, you're going to win this raffle, or you know you're going to you know meet meet some person. Um, you know, and, and sometimes I daydream the conversations, but this was quite different, of course. And so she she was a little bit um, um, affected by it, which was. Odd. I'd, I'd never had uh, any kind of fear about that around my mother at all. Um, I, if I had worries, they were more about my dad. Uh, but my mom, I, I figured out oh, she's quite, she's, you know, quite uh, healthy yeah. uh, in many ways. And, and so then she, she said, well, you know, not, I, not for a while. You know, I, I promise I'll, I'll be around um, for you as long as you need me. And, you know, then I felt quite reassured and I, you know, kind of shrugged shrugged it off and, and um, went to bed. And then um, hours, you know, I suppose eight hours later, I, I woke up with, with a complete start, you know, like uh, cartoon characters, I suppose, do when they just sort of- Jump um, out of bed. Flip right out of bed. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was as if I, it felt as if I just had sort of ran into my body. <laughs> you know, and, and put the force of running into it, pushed it. And as I did that, my, my mom and dad were, were right outside my, my bedroom, uh, my bedroom door. And, um, you know, I didn't sleep with my door closed. That was a, another thing. And so they were walking by and, and I just said, I've got something I have to tell you. And I got something really important I have to tell you. And then I couldn't remember it. And I was so frustrated that I couldn't it was as if I had a scroll in my back pocket and it fell out when I was running. And um, they had to call me down for about uh, three to five minutes uh, or so. And then I, you know, shrugged that off and went to school and, you know, had a regular school day, one of the, you know, a happy school day when the year's about to end for a kid and um, came home. And, um, you know, we, we had a, a few hours together watching a movie, uh, took my sister, drove my sister off to her, um, new job, and then we were about to actually drive to the hospital to um, see about getting a cast on my arm. And um, as we, you know, turned out of the out of the uh, entrance to the the parking lot over uh, crossing a divided highway, um, somebody who we couldn't see who was behind another car, uh, I think they just decided to go really really fast, uh, and and then they you know ended up hitting us and. Uh, you know, it was it was in that moment I was about to talk to my mom, turning my head to the left from the passenger seat, and just as I I, I turned, good lord, there was there was a big um, you know Lincoln Town Car 
type oh, car shit. that was, you know, just about to hit us. You wow. know? And, and I, I was pretty in that moment, I was pretty certain that, you know, my life was shortly coming to an end that the jig was up, you know, it was a, it was a pretty deep certainty. And, um, you know, instead of what tightening doing? up or, yeah, yeah I, fear didn't come, you know, and it had nothing to do with anything, but just, uh, instead it just of becoming was. afraid, yeah, it was just total acceptance. And, and, um, you know, there was no fear and, and I was, I felt myself basically sinking into this, <clears throat> excuse me, this profound relaxation and, you know, but the, I had one thought before I really went into this sort of uh, relaxation, which was almost, you know, kind of um, a funny thought that I thought, oh, I really thought this one was going to go more than 13 years. <laughs> you know, I really, huh, you know, kind of like that. As in your life. You know, sure. I, 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 as in my life. And it was, it was read from a place of, of almost this multi-lifetime perspective that, that was, I, I, you know, kind of caught that I was drifting from sort of being little uh, little Thomas Howell who had these fears and likes and dislikes and, you know, kind of here to, to kind of stepping back into this much, much larger uh, perspective. And um, as I, as, you know, right after saying that, I had the whole, um, my whole life flash before my eyes from, from that moment backward um, all the way, like it really was like a, a reel of film basically. And we were going in one, one reel at a time. And, and I say we had, might not necessarily really be correct, but in that process, there was a, it wasn't just my life flashing uh, before my eyes neutrally, there was uh, as if I was connected to some sort of totally, completely objective aspect of consciousness that, that, had, that I had known um, in my life, but, but I had often, especially in the last six years of ego development, not necessarily always wanted to hear from them because it was, I, I think, very big and uh, intimidating and, and even, even a little, uh, and I would, of course, uh, it would sometimes poo-poo some of my, you know, silly egoic desires. And I'd be like, oh, shut up. Go away. Right. But here I was completely, uh, completely embraced, embracing it and embraced by it. And so as we went through each film, it was almost like I was seeing, okay, there's, oh yeah, that's, that was, there's some regret there. So let that go. There's a grudge there. You, you know, why hold on to that? Let that go. Um, there's, Look, let's see how we acted in fear there. And, and with each corresponding thing that I saw, I could even feel you know, something corresponding in part of my body, some kind of tension or tightening, which I had how just become so accustomed to. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I had, and so there was a wonderful lightening of, of weights that I was completely unconscious of at that time. And, and that it felt as if I had this kind of um, snakeskin uh, for lack of a better word, um, pulled off my body that I had no idea that, that I, I was wearing, um, you know, for all those years. And I had no idea how afraid I was. That actually struck me as I even had a thought like, wow, I'm, I, you know, I'm only 13, but look at all this, look at all this fear. You know, I'm 13 with a fairly easy life on the scale of things, but look at that, look at that weight. And so it, it, was, it was kind of pulled off and, and as we went, back um, through that reel, uh, which was also, you know, interesting too, is that um, uh, I was experiencing things maybe at 100% in those memories. And I could see that you only experienced this, you only experienced about 20% of that moment. That, those, were, those were some of the things. It's like, oh, look at all you were blind to 
in that moment. Right. Look at that, you know, and 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 so that was, you know, there were many little tiny, uh, I suppose, sort of teaching experiences that were that were delivered in that very compressed um, period of time, that moment. And so at the end of it, there was a sense of um, complete ease, um, complete. And I, I'd never been, I'd never been so alive in my life. And and you know, I was, um, I was. Very, I suppose, non-local. I wouldn't have known that word back then, but there was a sense of, you know, being totally in my body, but also in the car and also in the sky outside and and um, everywhere in in my visual field. I had a sense that that was that was essentially me. That was I was the whole whole thing. I wouldn't have used the word me because at that time the word me really really meant that you know the little narrator the behind the head. Boy. But there was yeah. a sense of yeah, there was a sense of being being the totality and, and, and total complete peace and the sense of, uh, you know, basically that everything was really had been the whole time made up of, of love or, 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 you know, something just as fundamental that I didn't have a word for um, that, that my whole life had been this beautiful, perfect play. Even, even when I was getting sort of beat up, um, I, that was one of the scenes I remembered getting, being a kid and being, uh, you know, kind of losing a sort of a one-on-four fight and kind of being thrown against a fence and, and, you know, having a terrible time in the moment. And one of those things that caused, you know, me to, uh, you know, maladapt with, with uh, you know, some, some sort of egoic conditioning. But watching it from the scene, I was totally connected with this part of myself that was kind of rooting it on saying like, yeah, he needs this. He need, we got to, really? yeah, this is good. This, this, this is almost like you there, chose there that suffering. Yeah. 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 I was, I was with this part. It's like, wow, I, that was unexpected. <laughs> you know, um, you know, that was, uh, and I totally embraced that. Uh, I, I, I was jacked into that, that, um, that greater consciousness, like, yeah, he needs to, this needs to happen. Uh, and I would see these like lines of, I don't know, I'll, I'll call them equations that might bastardize it, them a little bit or shortchange them, but these kind of equations of time and space. Uh, and I would see these ripples uh, that were coming off of different events in my life in this kind of multi-dimensional holographic sort of way. And I would see these ripples connecting with the other, the other people's ripples and forming this kind of beautiful uh, multi-dimensional tapestry. So that was, you know, another, another aspect of, of that compressed. Uh, so interesting. It's often described as like watching a movie. Um, yeah. It sounds like you were detached from the boy that you were in your larger consciousness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and really, it's that, that larger consciousness had been knocking at my door, and and was the whole time, and it was it was there a lot more up until about age six. Um, there there was a sense of that, but um, I you know I remember at age, even in kindergarten, I hadn't kind of bought into uh, I suppose the little observer ego um, centeredness. I remember people talking about me. And it seemed like they were, to me, it felt like they're talking about a third person here. Who's that? Oh, no, you, this is what, okay, got it. Like when the kindergarten, I remember the kindergarten teacher telling my mother, oh, he's got a great personality. And I had no idea what they're talking about. And, and I'm asking my mother afterwards at some point, that word stuck in my mind, what's a personality? 
you know, and then she started describing it. And then when she did, I, I thought, oh, I, I should get myself one of those. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. Because you've got a good memory. I've got the worst memory in the world. I don't remember kindergarten or very, very little pieces of my younger life, but that's just me. I, yeah. I don't know. They stuck around. I remember I have a lot of memories before I could talk and, and, um, and before I could walk and, and being in the crib and being carried around and um, wow. you know, the smell of my grandpa's aftershave, um, which I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I didn't like it, nor, nor his, um, his scratchiness, Itch. but I liked him. I just thought just, you know, just maybe put me, put me back to the, to my mother <laughs> for, for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then what, what happened? You came back into mm. your physical body at some point, obviously I'm here talking to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I didn't flatline. I never counted it as an NDE. It was weird. I remember the, the, the feeling of my head's impact against the, the, the car window mm -hmm. and the, the feeling of the forces moving my body like a rag doll. And I, I'm fairly certain that I, I survived with as little injury as I did because I was so loose, because I was, I was, I was made so relaxed that that impact, I, I, I didn't even aggregate my aggravate my broken arm. Mm. Um, I, um, I had no injuries except breaking my middle finger of, of my right hand. And, and so that was weird. Uh, to have that because our car was pretty fairly totaled and we were really moved a long way from from where we were hit you could see the skid marks for years on on the uh, on the highway and so i i came back to and they pulled us out and uh, took us into the ambulance on the stretchers and you know we were being very careful about my neck because they figured i might have some spinal injuries or something like that and um i remember you know having my mother call out to me a couple times and um, I, I, both times I said, I'm okay, mom. And yeah. the second time she registered it and she, she left, you know, she kind of went. Um, her breathing changed from very, from a labored breath to, to a very even sort of almost, you know, in retrospect, counting, letting the body count down and just sort of um, stopping. And I you know, didn't know at the time that that was that what I felt was my mother's, um, you know, consciousness kind of flowing out you know I kind of when she was calling to me I also had the, the sense that she was that we were sort of in the same consciousness in, in a certain way there was a sense that there wasn't a, um, um, an external internal divide for me or a subject object divide was not particularly strong there I had a I was kind of looking down at my body and looking up <laughs> at the same time looking down from the roof of the ambulance I could sort of feel my mom I guess next to me um, um, you know, and then she, she kind of went off and we got to the hospital and, um, I, you know, they're working on her behind the curtains over there and, and, uh, they'd already ascertained that I was mainly okay. So I'm still on the, the stretcher with my neck, um, you know, down yeah. to the, uh, you know, tied down. And then we find out that she didn't make it. Oh, I'm sorry and, for your and, suffering. Well, well, no, everybody. Yeah. It's, I, I was glad to have a good run of it. And um, I, I was uh, glad to have a good 13 years with my mother because that was a very important connection. And yeah. uh, more than just um, biological, it was a you know, soul connection. And, um, and so, you know, then it, 
it went that um, that consciousness that I had been sort of um, pushed into uh, in the in the accident sort of stayed with me, and for some time, which was which at first I thought it was shock, um, but I was. I wasn't, um, I started to exhibit, um, you know, I'd look through some of my, my mother's books too. She would sort of be, she'd gotten a master's in, um, I think it was marriage and family counseling was the, the particular right. um, uh, degree. And so she had um, introduced a lot of psychological concepts into our house for the past uh, seven, eight years or so. And you know, I think I was trying to read about shock and there was an Elizabeth Kubler-Ross book on, the, on her office bookshelf. So I was looking at the grieving process and you know, I was finding, you know, I'm, I'm right in line with the grieving process here as this, this, this mm-hmm. lady's talking about, but boy, these, some of these things, they, these, don't, these are a little bit beyond shock because there was this, there was this joy and there was this um, quietness in there. There was this vastness um, that was, seemingly inside and all I had and it, and it didn't go anywhere and um, I, I, I couldn't lie for the life of me and, and at that point I think I'd become a pretty good liar actually for the purposes of being liked by people and yeah. you know uh, wanting to be accepted but I just couldn't do it anymore and I didn't give I didn't care at all that was and it was so liberating not to not to be afraid of anything and I wasn't afraid of death anymore and and so uh, like a lot of people, you know, it's not doesn't have to be a fancy experience or anything. I, I got to experience life in technicolor rawness for for quite some time. Only only with, with me, there was also this vast um, quietude and silence. Which when I when I would let myself go deeper into it, there would be this uh, often this requisite sort of moving of the subtle energy um, up my spine, um, like a know, kundalini. Top of my head. Yeah, yeah, like like that. Uh, the the prana was flowing. Uh, the kundalini was probably flowing some too. Yeah, it's uh, almost like a eufor- euphoric, blissful state, which can occur after near death experiences. It's quite a common Indeed. experience. Indeed. Or profound feelings yeah. of love. People talk of that, but at the same Absolutely. time, you're dealing with the grief or the death of your mother. Yeah. How did yeah. those two yeah, balance? God. Well, it was weird. Uh, of course, I've always liked weird, and so I got to be my <laughs> this own show is kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the experience was. I, I'm lucky that I was. I was pretty fluid and flexible. I didn't put up walls. I just let whatever experiences that are cohabitating yeah. be like that. But there would be this, um, you know, of course, anger and and sadness and and um, bargaining with with uh, you know trying to bargain with the higher power. Just I'll do this and and just put things back. You know, I'll I'll wake up and. I won't even remember this conversation happened. How about that? And yeah. stuff like that. But at the, at the same time that I would feel that, it was almost as if I was also had access to this vast, you know, uh, space behind me, like, like being in a quiet cave um, that's right behind a swiftly moving waterfall. And I was experiencing both of these fairly fully. And so I would sometimes, uh, I would catch myself saying things, you know, that in just being very angry or, or, or punching the, punching a door or a wall or something like that um, with a lot of force. And yet at the same time, um, I was, I wasn't, there wasn't any sort of ego stickiness with it. There was no self-judgment. There was no um, um, kind of watching of what was going on. There was, it was just moving very, very freely and, and, you know, there was a sense that it wasn't, 
no, that wasn't the totality of me doing that. There was a sense that who I was 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 no longer bound to that little, um, you know, sort of ego that I'd been build, building up right. all those years, but was somehow moored in something else or, or, or not moored at all. So that was a very interesting. I was noting that because it was new and I hadn't, um, I'd maybe had glimpses of that as a child, but not as, not as sort of a, a halfway to adulthood uh, person at that time. Definitely a yeah. profound change. And, and subsequently after that, or a couple of years after that, you, you took up meditation. Yes. The ascension yeah. meditation. Yes. Yeah. I um, mean, I'm that, feeling that, so relaxed um, talking to you at the moment. <laughs> I'm in a meditative state as we speak. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> You're so calm and relaxed. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I guess it had to happen. I, I think I rather slow walked it, funnily enough. Um, uh, I was, I, I knew I had to, actually, I don't know when I knew I had to meditate, you know. Um, certainly I watched the, the film, The Little Buddha um, right. at, at age 13 or 14. And, and I guess Keanu Reeves' Buddha was a very uh, convincing, <laughs> you know, figure. Sure. Um, but, but, you know, there was, I had walked into a metaphysical bookstore with my sister actually, and I'd, I'd never had that inclination uh, to go in a metaphysical bookstore before. It seemed like, oh, that's not the stuff I'm interested in. I don't even know what that shop's about. I'm not yeah. going to go in there. Um, but I, I tagged along and think I'm glad that I did, um, following my, my big sister along as I always did. And I opened up this book on, on sort of the meditation experiences of, of Himalayan uh, yogis, and I started browsing and the first page was describing things that sounded like what I had, I had experienced. And up until that time, I was actually trying to get back to it. I was doing all sorts of weird, crazy stuff and uh, like, like jumping out of moving golf carts, you know, getting them up to 20 miles per hour and jumping out of them, jumping down from heights that were scary. Um, uh, trying to scare myself into, into the sense that I might be dying soon. I thought that was the trigger to get me back to that, to that to state. That state. I, when it faded, I had to get back there. And, then, and that wasn't working. And when I almost broke my arm doing that, I was like, okay, we're going to have to put the kibosh on that, on those strategies, because yeah. that's, that's a little, something little sketchy. <laughs> Try something else. I just didn't know anything else was available. Um, and so I'm glad I later went into that metaphysical bookstore. Uh, because that, okay, that's, that's a way that there's a way to get back to that. And, and so, um, instead of like jumping into a meditation practice right away, because not many were available in small town, Wisconsin, um, in, in those, uh, days, I, I just furiously read as many of the books in that books, metaphysical bookstore and at across the street at the public library that I could and, and kind of built up sort of a higgledy pickledy practice and, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for about three years, I was also at, at the same time trying to be, um, I suppose I was trying to be a normal person at the same time and pick up the pieces of my old life. And yeah. unfortunately, well, maybe fortunately, it was rather unconvincing. So I question I, I more and more what now what is normal. It's, it's, it's a very hard it, word to define. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It, it's really, you know, not, not, not much there. I mean, for the, for the most part. So... So, I mean, for me, it was a little, I had this crazy, it's, I called it the crazy monk inside me. And, um, you know, I was trying to, um, you know, both for myself and, and maybe even more for my family, I was trying to um, heed everybody's advice and, and do what, what seemed like the logical, 
rational way of running one's life, uh, you know, kind of the, the safe way. And I, you know, I can see um, I didn't have anybody repressing my spirituality so much. Everyone was really looking out for me. And, and then, it, but it just became apparent that, no, I have to do this. I have to, um, that this, this enlightenment thing is real that they're talking about, that these, that there are deeper um, experiences that are naturally available to all human beings. And, and also that, you know, my life was, had been structured in such a way um, that I really gave myself a, a very big wake up call. You know, that also had to involve the loss of, um, you know, my mother. And so that I, I also kind of felt a, a, not a bad responsibility, not a weight, but kind of a sense that, you know, this was, this was planned and you, you come on, you gotta, you gotta, you know, make it worthwhile. You gotta like take your soul was calling you. You really had no yeah. choice. It was yeah you were compelled yeah. i get it yeah yeah and 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 so so that, that was an awkward in-between phase i guess it is, it is for many people in different yeah. ways um my high school years until the last year when i i decided uh, the, beforehand to really start dedicate myself to meditation and spiritual practices and just go go hard even though the techniques i was using weren't that great at the time i i you know i think there's that chinese uh, Taoist proverb the, the the right person with the wrong means will still make it or something like that right. uh, so i just i decided to just like a scorpio dive in um uh you know 200 percent and and became an ascetic for a while basically taking cold showers at three in the morning and and doing all these concentration practice and, and, and getting in five to six hours of meditation every day. Oh, wow, that's a lot, isn't and it? Yeah, it was five a lot. Um, and you were still at school at this time? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, I, um, there, there's worse vices than five to six hours of meditation. <laughs> that's what I told people. That's what yeah. I say. Hey, so I could be, I could be drinking a 12 pack a day here and exactly. smoking. You know, what's the, what's the complaints here? Come on. It is extreme though. <laughs> you know? It is extreme. I, I, years later, I, I found out that I'd been put on suicide watch um, at my high school. And I look back and said, like, I can see why they think that, because I, I also wanted to get rid of a lot of possessions. I wanted to be just, you know, I, I pared myself down to three books at a certain point, And I wanted to just to be able to put everything into a camping backpack and and, and, and roam the world as, as, a, as a free spiritual seeker. And, and so I was giving away all, my, all these treasured presents to people. Uh, you know, and years later, though, that's a warning sign. Uh, okay. But, um, you, you know, and I was, uh, there was an emotionally turbulent time because I was such a perfectionist as well. And, uh, you know, if I had this little book where if I committed some kind of, um, I suppose you call it a sin, not really a sin, but if I, if I screwed up in some way, um, you know, in, in um, uh, you know, egoically, I would put a mark in it. And, Oh my God, I'm I'm glad that I got that out of my system because I, uh, you know that 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 um, that, that harshness because it, it made me ready for uh, an effortless path and effortless meditation, which which is what I found in the Ashaya's Ascension. Practice. Amazing. Um, I'm just like obviously I'm not a, a psychologist, but I also have the feeling that in some way that you wanted to make your mother's death meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that absolutely. That was certainly there. Uh, that was part of the motivation. It was. It was like, yeah. If 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 you're gonna have, if you're gonna lose your mother, then you might as well, um, you know, make her sacrifice worthwhile. I, I knew that wasn't necessarily, um, you know, I didn't necessarily reify that statement all the way, but it was there. You know, it was there. Yeah. 
um, as, as, as a motivational thing. And the fact that I kind of had the sense of it happening before it did in the morning, um, I mean, that actually took a lot of the load off because uh, I, I could have seen myself blaming myself. I wasn't good enough. I should have seen the, the car coming or something like that. Or yeah. I could have done something. I'd never really had that as a burden on me. Um, you know, for some reason, the, the sense of it, there being at least some, um, you know, it being scripted or something like that, that, that was there. And I, I don't necessarily um, think everything is, is scripted, but I, I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not all in the, the, uh, the free will camp either. I think it's a different thing, but that's a digression. Um, oh, no, I love this conversation. So, I think the past, yeah. present and future is already planned. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's a, I, I've come to the, what, what people could say, I'm a cop-out answer where, I, where I'll say like, yeah, the human conception of, of, of determinism and free will are, are, are actually just, are, are both uh, poor. They're, they're, they're not big enough nets to, to adequately grasp what's really happening, which I think is, is you know, both and. Uh, so, yeah. That's, yeah. Long conversation, long conversation. That's a long conversation. We'd have to tease things out. Yeah. We'd... <laughs> but if, if you're, if you've had your negative experience, you must in some way think that this must have been planned, mm. the car accident, your oh, yeah. experience, yeah. your mother's death. Um, not that it necessarily yes. makes the suffering easier in your humanness, no. um, but in some way our life trajectory, I think the major yeah. points are planned. We can still yes. say, and yeah. then the question is, is it free will and do we choose Anyway, long conversation. I'm digressing to your ascension meditation. Sometimes it, well, I mean, sometimes it comes to who's doing the choosing, and I think the uh, I think often that are the 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 who is the most important part, or the or, the, or, or where we're coming from, because we often are coming from this sort of this um, limited, boxed-in space of of thinking ourselves the wave and separate from this ocean, or not even thinking there's an ocean there, but uh, like with meditation or an NDE uh, or however it happens if we fall into the whole ocean if we become uh, if we fall into the level of ourself which is the all then that's a very you know uh, language and grammar change quite a bit uh and and then and then yeah free will and determinism same same because if you're the whole ocean you're the thing that's moving uh, the whole the whole game anyhow you're the totality there's no there's, there's no chance for causality even at that level because there's nothing to cause and nothing to be affected. Uh, so yeah, all our, our whole linguistic and linguistic structures break down there and have to be amended. That's the, something that I've always had fun with. But That's but, uh, very interesting. So how would you say you walk the path of life if there's no causality? Does... <laughs> I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's both. I think, you know, there's, there's this, we still exist at these, in these little wave bodies. Um, we still remember which body we're in. There's still a sense of, of um, sep separateness, but it doesn't have to be the, the, the total thing. Um, and in, in Sanskrit, they'll call it the Lesha Vidya, which is a term which means the last remains of ignorance. And they'll, and they'll say that, that um, you know, even, even say like an enlightened sage who's, who's been bathing themselves in this non-local consciousness and has a sense of a very um, corporeal even sense of being, um, of, of kind of being in everything and everyone, they, they still have to have something which allows them to, to kind of brush their teeth and drive a car and say yes and no and get along. And that's the Lesha Vidya. So I, I think that, um, you know, we, we get to have, we get to partake in, in both. Uh, you know. Because in some way we have chosen to come back into our physical into into a physical form. 
yeah. and to have this experience. Why yeah, why you know, do we a... come back? Why why do we come back in your opinion? Oh, that's that's one of the one. Well, I mean, I, I I won't do Hinduism 101, which is often, but it kind of comes out that way. I think it's all a wonderful play, and that that's that's my me my feeling of, of the why, which isn't necessarily much of a a why to some people. It <laughs> doesn't mm-hmm. sound like a great answer. Yeah, it's but, a great but answer. There's there's a sense of this is um, this is a, a beautiful play. That this is this is this uh, play of God that that allows. Uh, allows the infinite. Here's some Hinduism 101 or Neil Donald Walsh 101. Yeah. This is a wonderful play that allows the the infinite to experience it itself through the illusion of of, of separation. There's nothing wrong with the illusion too. It's like um, some people get into this kind of get a little bit depressed and again this mind body spirit matter duality. I just don't have any of that. It seems like just this wonderful continuum of the same thing uh, to me that. That um, the, the physical is 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 all is just a denser a denser version of, of of pure consciousness itself, and 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 so there there doesn't the, the body has never seemed like some kind of fleshy prison to me like like the mm-hmm. the old Gnostics or Manichaeans would would think there's never been that harsh um, sense of duality or sense of you know you have to break out of this somehow and uh, for sure. me spirituality has almost been more of a I had had the effect of actually putting me in my body more. Uh, so my meditation, which is called ascension for me, I, I might as well call it descension uh, because that's, that's the effect it had is I could finally, you know, feel my feet a little better with, with more uh, acuity. How interesting. So when you talk about uh, everything and the complete consciousness, do you think in your belief, obviously there's interviews about you, do we have, do we have a soul or are we all the one consciousness? Um, we have individual souls. I, I, we have both. I think so. I mean, I think of it like a holograph. I mean, you, uh, in, a, in a certain sense, not in the most technical sense, but mm-hmm. by analogy, mm-hmm. uh, I think that basically we're we're like one big blanket. That if you crinkle that blanket up enough, um, you know, we we start to think of our, you know, we can have the ability to think of ourselves as these little ridges, individuals, or or like a hand. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are the whole hand, but we get. Um, habituated to thinking that we're here and when from this point it looks like there's a world of separate finger people and and if we simply could you know meditation is simply a wonderful means of 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 systematically relaxing back down to the level of the of the palm and the more time we stay down there uh, we we start to get a sense of okay i'm you don't lose the sense of being a thumb it just is no longer the it's no longer the 90% identification it becomes more like the 10% identification and the, it, it becomes integrated within a much um, uh, richer uh, much larger more expansive sense of being and and then we at, at a certain point you know we start to even rise up a little bit into the other fingers and that to me is what like one the sense of oneness really is it, it's this very subtle um, but profound relaxation, and in that relaxation, there is that the the the, um, uh, the sense of I and Thou becomes just much much thinner. Mm. Which is what you teach in your ascension meditation, I'm assuming. Mm. Yeah. So I'd love yeah. to hear a bit more about that, and how can we reach that sort of level um, through practice? Well, yeah. So, like the ascension practice is is kind of a 
uh, an effortless mantra type of practice. Only in this case, the mantras aren't um, primarily in Sanskrit. They're in the first language of whoever is doing the practice. And so I find them to be like, um, I, I often call them prayer mantras. Um, I have a friend who calls them magic mantra thingies. And that actually might be maybe the most endearing and accurate uh, uh, way of framing them in some ways. And so there are these little um, short phrases that incorporate appreciation, gratitude, and love into their structure. And we don't have to feel these things because actually uh, we don't have to do anything at all artificial in the practice, which is nice because, uh, you know, some days you, you just feel like crap and that's okay. That's part of, I think, uh, meditation spirituality is 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 really becoming okay with everything that's that's sure. uh, that's down in there. Uh, but there's some you know there's some quality about these that I think also in my experience like um, Sanskrit mantras. Uh, there's a quality about these that has this tendency of of taking the mind from wherever the surface uh, happens to be and moving it back towards its source. And, and so it's this, as the mind moves back and kind of touches the, the source, there's this profound relaxation that's also in the body. And with that relaxation, there's a, a lot of tension that just starts to get thrown off, you know, and, and tensions that, again, like, like the NDE revealed, tensions that we didn't even know we were carrying around with. Yes, so it's, and, and it's, so, it's an awareness as well, isn't it? So just stop, so, you know, we, we lead, lead such busy lives and just to stop yeah. sometimes and listen and listen to our heart or smell the roses basically with your eyes closed while you're yeah. meditating, just to be, just to be. Yeah. And, to, and to control that egoic mind. Don't let it control. <laughs> and the, the wonderful ways that, exactly, in, in, in this way, uh, I like that you mentioned that. It's a good segue because uh, the wonderful things here is that I was raised up uh, initially in, in meditation uh, thinking that I needed to control the mind or that that developing a mental discipline was, mm -hmm. was very good, uh, a good sort of thing. And in some ways it is. Um, but I, I found with, with this practice, instead of trying to chain the mind, the monkey mind, uh, we're actually feeding it bananas. And, and that by... Through the mantra. And, and so we're kind of... Yeah, we're kind of charming it, and it goes along with the practice. And and so I realized, yeah, you know that 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 it's a monkey mind to a certain extent is true, but and more more true is that the mind is actually searching for the transcendent experience. It just needs a little mm -hmm. help in 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 uh, in getting back there. And and you know it's like when. On, on a lesser level, I suppose, you know, if you like Led Zeppelin quite a bit, you don't have to, when you're listening to it, most people don't have to say, no, no, don't deviate from the Led Zeppelin song. Keep, keep focused on, no, get back. You know, most people, when they're listening to music, they like, they, they have no problem paying attention. I, I think that the music that the mind likes the most is, is the music of, of presence, is, is the music of that uh, peak experience as Maslow. Right. Uh, was referring to it. I think people love being in flow. I think more than anything, people love being in flow. And and so this is just a way of, of tuning people back into what is, I think, uh, the most natural style of functioning for for the human being. How wonderful. And like anything, it, it, it's nothing's instantaneous. Well, this is a lifelong practice, this um, coming back yeah. to who we are. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've found, you know, it's, always ebbs and flows of life yeah yeah so are you meditating for five hours a day still <laughs> uh, <laughs> not not formally not in the way i was doing before is there anything else you'd like to talk to the passion harvest audience about 
Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know. Maybe I've been saying this a lot lately, but this has been a theme of my life. Mm -hmm. And But, um, you know, uh, don't wait. You know, if, if you... Um, if, if you have love in your heart that, that you've bottled up, uh, you know, don't wait to share it. Um, at any moment can be the last moment. And, um, you know, there's something beautiful and, and uh, there's something that takes the, the load off when we, when we um, stop putting off certain things, when, when we give ourselves the gift of, of letting out the, the, you know, the authentic, uh, you know, when we, when we don't leave anything on the table and and that's something that that I guess I feel like like sharing. Oh, thank you. That was such a beautiful message. I love it. <laughs> Speak your truth. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Ishtar Hal, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Thank you for speaking thank honestly you. and openly, and and your journey and experience of life. Thank you so oh, much. You're quite welcome. Thank you very much, <laughs> Louise. Okay. Bye yeah. for now. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.